to Season 2, Episode 21 of the Write Write Podcast, your weekly pep talk on living the writing life. I am Elon. I'm John. And I'm Craig. And today, we're going to be talking about plotting in depth. Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about plotting, pantsing, plotsing, panthering, and all manner of combinations of that those those techniques for writing stories and we decided that for the next three weeks we're going to take deep dives on each of the methods we're going to talk about plotting today uh pantsing next week and then we're going to talk hybrid methods in two weeks uh anyway so plotting we're going to be talking about techniques benefits issues the entire gamut of what is involved with the plotting process um and what's great about this is that i am not a plotter i've tried to be a plotter i am learning the process of plotting because i found that while i enjoy discovery writing I have a very difficult time maintaining a trajectory and therefore finishing stories when I don't uh, have at least a basic awareness of where I'm going. Um, so far as I'm aware, John John's uh, current epic fantasy work is fairly well plotted out, um, I think, if I recall correctly. I could touch on that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> more, more or less, it, it was written from a plotting, you know, starting point, so... and. Craig is an enigma, and I will find out what he does, uh, and I always enjoy finding out what exactly he does, because as he so often says, he is not a, tr he's not a normal writer. He goes to bed at nine, and he writes a lot, and he uh, somehow maintains like a normal life too. I don't understand. Um, lots to learn from Craig. Anyway, so, um, what... What is your, like, let's just get a super basic idea of what your outlines look like when you have them. Either one of you can start. Uh, I'll go first. Yeah. I am outlining a new book right now. Um, my outline is literally six sentences um, to, to start. It's a general outline of where the story ends and where it finishes. It's not a very complicated story. It's more about uh, relationships between people. So... That's one way of putting it. Um, so it's these people start in their relationship starts here and it goes there. And that's one sentence. These other characters, their relationship starts here. It goes there. That's sentence two. And then there's some general plot stuff in there. Um, and that is enough to get my the story percolating in my brain. And then when I get closer to writing it, I will probably break it into chapters a little bit and have maybe one or two sentences per chapter. But that comes later. Um, and when we reach episode 23, which is the plot singer hybrid one, that's probably where my style more fits in. I start with plotting, end up pantsing after that. So it's a combo. But yeah, six sentence novel outline. <laughs> um, I think talking about my method would be in two weeks when we do our um, episode 21 or 23. Um, because I'm very hybrid, but the you mentioned the epic fantasy I'm working on. Originally, that was my third attempt at a novel, and it was my first time trying plotting, where I I did. Um, uh, there's a thing called the snowflake method. Um, I've heard of that. Uh, yeah, I can't remember who does it, but if you Google the snowflake method, you'll come to this guy's. Uh, it's like a I think it's a blog or a website, but he's got it there, and he also has a, a book you can you can buy. But the idea is you start with a short sentence where you write out um, your you, in that sentence you capture who the character is, what their conflict, 
uh, is and kind of where the book's going to go with that. Like, so you, oh, we've, we, uh, Craig has brought up the how to write a novel using the snowflake method. Who's the Randy Ingermanson? Yeah, Randy Ingermanson. All right. I can yeah. put that in the liner notes because um, I've heard a lot of people talk about the snowflake method and it's just yeah. all of these. I think that a lot of the, the outline methods come down to extrapolating. Um, yeah. It's this idea that like, okay. And, and like, I think Craig's beginning is perfect in terms of uh, like, okay, here are six sentences. This yeah. to this, this to this, this to this, and this to this. These are the things that happen in the book. Um, and then because I don't, I haven't, I did that for the very first time recently, and it was uh, it was a huge relief. I hadn't ever actually thought about writing, and this is going to sound maybe crazy, but I hadn't ever actually thought about writing the beginning and the ending down, like giving the beginning and the ending thought. I usually start writing things because I get a scene or an image in my mind um, that that like it, it, it consumes me. And this, I think this is very pantser of me. Like I get a scene, I have to write that scene down. That scene turns into something and I just kind of follow it from there. But I almost never have an idea of where it's going. Um, and I was sort of struggling with telling the story and I decided to just do the work of thinking about where it goes in advance. Um, and I found it tremendously liberating. And so I followed, um, uh, there's a, the seven point, seven point plot structure there's a great series of lectures by dan wells uh, that i watched where he talks about the seven point plot structure breaks it down into uh pinches and hooks and uh it it, it can sound i think to a lot of discovery writers and pantsers like we are taking all of the fun out of story writing but it turns out that these outline points are so vague <laughs> like they're not actually they don't actually corral you in any real sense of the word a pinch can be anything it just is something that gives your character uh stress it's an inciting event it's something that causes them to make a decision or a move um but having written that outline i've like I, it's, it's not burning a hole in my brain anymore i actually can calmly say okay i know where that's going and i can work on that later um and that's the first time i ever outlined anything and it was kind of a revelatory experience but um, I've had a hard time sticking to that as a concept. Um, and I, I think that what, what that brings me to kind of my next question, uh, which is how much detail, how much detail do you put in your outlines? And it sounds like, uh, because we're all hybrid or closer to pantsing, this is kind of, uh, I wish we had someone who was like a really thorough outliner on this podcast. Maybe we can, uh, invite someone later and have them tell us about their plotting, uh, ideas, but, the first time I tried outlining a story was my first ever attempt at a novel. I made it about 40,000 words into it, and it was like an unwieldy beast. And the way I was outlining is I was literally writing sentence by sentence instead of in prose. This happens, then this happens, and this happens. And so I was writing instead of getting like a gist of a, what like where a character ends up in a chapter, I was like, then he turns left. And it wasn't an outline. It was just not writing prose but writing what happens in the story. Um, and it really tired me out. Um, so I put very little detail in the, out the seven point outline I wrote. Um, and I find that I feel much more excited about working on that project in the future. Uh, how much detail do you guys put in your outlines? Uh, for me, it varies depending on the genre that I write. Whenever I return to my sci-fi or my thriller, which is sort of ongoing back burner projects for those ones, I do a fair bit of, outlining, um, including, 
character motivations, uh, exactly what happened, maybe even staging of events. If there is some sort of conflict event that happens in that chapter, I need to know who shoots first and mm-hmm. what, that sort of stuff. Um, but if I'm writing something that's a little, little, little looser, then I won't have much of an outline. For me, I, uh, I mean, my my mount that I use in an outline has changed. Like first time, I put way too much. I mean, it was had every scene the way I I used the snowflake method, and but the final, you know, the final iteration, I had everything broken down like beyond the uh, the you know the main pinches and all those major points. I then broke it down into what I. I called frames like at that point I was kind of just inventing my process and so the frames ended up turning into more or less sometimes they were chapters sometimes they were a scene in a chapter Um, but it was like all these sort of things and I almost had this paint by numbers plan for when I went to write and in some ways that was great because then when I got to these places they were like milestones and I got really excited and some of those scenes turned out wonderful but then there were other times that I arrived at uh, spots where all the detail I had put in was just overloaded and it was off topic. And because the detail was there, I felt like I had to follow it mm-hmm. and I didn't know what to do without that. Um, so, I mean, over time, my methods evolved a bit. And now I find that when I do make notes for what I plan to write ahead, I do so in a way that I can toss it all away. Mm-hmm. So I treat my outline notes just as little reminders and kind of like sort of like saying hey i made these promises or i i have these questions that the reader's probably wondering about because of something that i just dangled here and i'm moving on with the story so i make a note for myself more as a reminder that yeah. don't forget about this when you get to the you know a couple chapters later and you're stuck for what to mention in this scene maybe somehow tie back like i get inspired by uh, the game of thrones episodes when they have the little opening last time on game of thrones and they pick specific back it's almost like previous narratives and then they say we're going to develop these this episode yeah so i kind of uh, you know that that really i always thought that was neat and, and I, I i guess that's a kind of a good analogy for what i sort of do with my outline notes um, I don't make too many, or I find that I spend more time going over them than writing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, um, the idea that, uh, that I think intimidates a lot of people who are on the fence about beginning outlining, and I think I mentioned this a few episodes ago because I heard it at a convention and I found it so kind of like explosive, uh, and almost silly that it hadn't occurred to me before, but uh, I can't remember who it was that said this, but they said that you are not a prisoner of your outline um, Mm. and that you haven't taken the steam out of writing by making an outline. It's that you are jotting down ideas so that you have targets on the wall of where you want to hit, but things might happen that move you out of that trajectory and that's okay. Um, You know, it's, it's um we can probably talk about this more in episode 23 but uh one of the things i think that's really ironic is the idea that people assume that plotting um and pantsing are are like cardinally different different in the, in this very uh core in terms of the core values of writing and i don't think so because i think that um no matter what you're doing at some point you're discovery writing 
The question is, do you write directly into draft or do you write into an outline as a discovery writer? Um, and when you are writing as a discovery writer, you are maybe taking uh, a few extra steps of drafting because there's a lot to massage out. There's a lot of stuff that you um, are just sort of experimenting with, but might need to throw out later. And if you discover writing discovery writing into a plot that is an outline, um, then you've probably circumvented a few of those earlier drafts you might have to do as a discovery writer. Uh, but either way, you are discovery writing your story. It just depends on at what stage you do so. Um, and I think that for me, when I when I thought about that, I realized that outlining wasn't so scary um, and that it's something that I think I, I would really benefit from um, because I have a hard time staying on task as a general rule. Um, and... Uh, even though I have lovely stimulant medications to help with that, they don't always help that well. Um, and as a writer, as someone who wants to be uh, successful at their own creative endeavors that drive them and they have passion for and they can't even focus on them sometimes, it can be very frustrating. But if you're able to get your thoughts down and have a concrete goal of what you're trying to hit in your writing session, um, not necessarily in terms of time writing or word count, but in terms of what you want, where you want to put the story. Um, I find that to be a really, really great inspiration. Um, so, like for instance, what I'm doing now, um, I have a, a like a novelette length piece that I'm working on, um, and it's uh, I have a general idea of where it ends. I have a general idea of each of the three chapter slash scenes that are that are in the story. Um, but I, but I was really, I was on a roll and I had to stop because it was too late at night. So I wrote three sentences in brackets about where I wanted the story to go next, uh, just so that I wouldn't forget. And then I let it sit and I didn't feel the burn like I needed to finish it because otherwise I would forget. Um, and I sat back down and immediately got back to writing and it's like I never left the story. And I thought that was awesome. And I think that you do something similar, John. Yeah, is that just as you're describing this, it's making me think of, um, I end every writing, because I, I mean, I write every day, it's the first thing I do, um, and I, when the, I use a timer, when the timer's over, I'm done, uh, I don't stay for an extra hour, I mean, and it's not that I never would, but I, you know, I tend to be out of there, and so I want to be able to pick up the session the next day, like, right where I left off, and I find that um, I, I can pick this up from apparently Hemingway had a technique. He always finished like he would leave a sentence incomplete. Mm -hmm. or, so I try to get to a spot where it's like I either push ahead just a bit more or I intentionally stop short. And it's like throw a, I actually put like square brackets or curly brackets just so it, you know, it's chaotic and like point form stream of consciousness thoughts about what was creatively going on in my head that saying this is where you need to go mm -hmm. and I the next day when I pick it up it's like dangling and I could kind of almost see that um, what kind of deeper you know non-linguistic stuff was going on mm -hmm. as I was staring at the cliff um, so yeah it's... there was a there's a famous perhaps not real story about it. Uh, I, I can't remember who it was. It was either Mozart or Beethoven whose mother would wake them up in the morning uh, by playing an incomplete scale. Uh, oh. And he would be, he would be <laughs> driven basically to madness to play the final note in the scale. Like she would end on like a, you know, 
on like some on like a flat and he would have to finish the scale because otherwise it would drive him nuts and while that sounds it's like an interesting story and whether or not it's based in fact is sort of irrelevant the idea is kind of the same where like yeah you leave yourself a treat in the form of a bug in your brain i have to finish that sentence and i'm excited to finish that sentence and when you finish that sentence you're already kind of in the zone Mm-hmm. Um, because it's picking up where you left off. That's a really it's it's a neat way to do it. Um, I probably it would be hard, I think, for me to not finish a sentence uh, as I'm writing. I don't know, Craig. Can you do that? Can you not finish a sentence when you're working? Uh, depends on what I'm working on. Uh, right. If it's nonfiction, totally, I can stop anywhere and pick it up. But if mm-hmm. it's fiction, I generally have to finish the sentence. Yeah, that's a bold I, move. I, I find it hard to do, but it's just something that I intentional. It's sort of like I thought, okay, I'm going to try this out, and I just more often than not, um, my well, one of the things that I struggle with the most is getting started. I'll often mess around for a while, and the thing is, usually what will start me is scrolling back, rereading some of the earlier chapter or looking through notes, and then I'll start typing. But that can take a while, so that's why I found. If there's something incomplete, that kind of like, oh, well, I knew what I was typing. I'll start doing that, and then yeah. that's all it takes to get back into it. That's really cool. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try that, um, and I'll let you know if it causes me any kind of serious <laughs> distress. <laughs> um, you might notice about that. I mean, this is something I've found. Leaving that dangling and closing your manuscript and saying, I'm not touching this until whenever my next writing time is, it causes a story to percolate in your mind and mm-hmm. you think about it in all kinds of ways. So when you come back to the keyboard, not only do you have that sentence, but you may have additional ideas that have, that'll just dump into the page and then you have to deal with those when you start writing. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. You're, you, you leave that scale unfinished and it burns a hole in your mind. Um, Absolutely. So I have a couple of like practical questions because uh, we're, we're running low on time here. Um, do you? I know that neither of you is particularly as much of an outliner as these questions are relevant for, but I want to ask them anyway, just in case. And if uh, there are no good answers for them, we will get an outliner on this podcast as a guest in the future. Um, yeah, do anyway. Do either of you reference uh, plot archetypes to outline? I mentioned the seven point plot structure. Um, you know, there's like the hero's journey. There's all these different. There's these archetypical studies in plot. Um, that uh, can be, you know, good reference tools. Do you use any of them? Uh, I don't. I might be a better writer if I did. Um, Yeah, when you say plot archetypes, um, I know there are, like, several fundamental forms. Um, I don't use anything where I'll, like, intentionally, uh, I believe, like, voyage and return, confront Mm -hmm. or the monster yeah. they i i think there's different i don't think that's the exact title i think the title varies um i don't intentionally use that i do like to use um the more general sense of like a midpoint mm. so of like where you're it's like an internal shift where your character goes from sort of being reacting to things to then committing uh, I, uh, I took a um, genre fiction workshop that was all based on outline, and that was why I decided to give it a try. And they walked through, like, you know, the midpoint, and then you've got, like, a turning point one, turning point two. You've got inflections, 
you've got a climax resolution. Um, I, you know, I like to be aware of that, but I don't, I don't impose that on the mm-hmm. story. I, I kind of, it's, it's almost like, uh, uh, zoom, a zoom effect, zoom out and think about the story on this layer and then, but then zoom in and do the work so that, you know, I can kind of be aware of what I'm writing in this scene actually is developing the overall story in, in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I use anything, it would probably be what I learned in grade four when analyzing story structure, which is just the basic rising action. So you've mm-hmm. got it go going upwards, and then mm-hmm. you have the climax, and it sort of falls down, uh, and then you have a little bit of a uh, denouement, so an ending that rises yeah. a little bit. But mm-hmm. that would be as much as I do, I think. I haven't read, I haven't researched a lot of this like John has done, so I don't have that knowledge to really work with. And I, and I think like that's the thing. I I find that the more I I read a lot of um, books on fiction craft, and I find the more I read, the more this sort of sense of what's the perfect outline becomes a fuzzy cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of commonalities, but. But there's a lot of uh, wiggle room, and and, and it's going to vary because it these are these are created by people that analyze stories, and that analysis is based on the stories they've read and studied, and their perspectives. So it's really just informing yourself of various things. But one thing that I find that's sort of at the core, and that I've I've really uh, acquired is usually you have a protagonist. You, well, I say usual because there are experimental forms. Yeah. And that, and for if I say this too certainly, that someone will say, "Well, wait a minute, you didn't yeah. come." Right. But so you've got protagonists. They have a desire, and they're they they because of that, they're trying to pursue something, and there's obstacles, setbacks, and so the story is really the rise and fall, and, and it usually escalates, mm-hmm. and, and there's a big conflict the protagonist will change in some way uh they may or may not get what they want and that has some kind of meaning and there's the story complete and and if you have that in essence in some form that allows you to have a story where the reader closes the book going ah what a what a good book mm-hmm. whereas you don't stick to this it's really easy for your story to either wander off or for the book to actually not end in a way, or or it ends as something else entirely, and your reader's like, "What? What just, what just happened? What did I just do?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's. I mean, it's interesting because I think that a lot of the assumptions about uh, about plot, about narrative structure, and about archetypical stories are based on the Western canon, um, and there's been a lot of discussion uh, in you know like the the writosphere. Um, lately about how uh, story archetypes actually can probably vary dramatically uh, given like different uh, different cultural source materials um, but I think by and large there are sort of consistencies about human experience that can't really be uh, you can't really move too far from there or else your story is not a story Yeah. Um, so I think that at the end of the day, you're right. There is this whole notion of like a character, which can mean any number of things. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a protagonist, but a character who uh, um, has 
a desire or need and uh, pursues that desire or need and succeeds and fails and succeeds and fails and whatever, uh, leading to that climactic action. So plotting is good, can be difficult, but has a lot of value. Um, and I think I was going to ask about process stuff, but I don't think that we're the we're the crew to answer that. Um, so I'm gonna I, I I think that um that maybe in the next batch of episodes we record, we'll see if we can find a real real outliner and pepper them with questions about why they do what they do and how they do it. Or, or be yeah, uh, plotting part two. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Um, and then. Uh, so we're we're past time, uh, as we often are in this podcast. Uh, so John's got a recommended book, and uh, this is one we've already recommended. So I believe you have two recommendations this time, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. I or... well, I, I well, I mean, well, I guess one recommendation I could reiterate on is the Snowflake Method to go and check that out. It's a really uh, hand. It's easy to pick up. You don't have to understand a lot of theory behind. Um, plot structures and all that it's just a different way to work on your story from like one what take it from one sentence to a whole you know list of scenes that you're going to end up writing mm-hmm. um so uh what was his did you still have the the name for that the website that was randy i mean if you google it it's, yeah it, it was it was first. three words i'll write it down in the liner notes <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I know. Well, Randy, there you go. So the snowflake method, Randy, you'll find it. But yeah. <laughs> the Randy snowflake method yeah. might get you something different. So be careful. I'd be curious if there's a website out there. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So the other one is a book I recommended before. It's uh, 2K to 10K by Rachel Aaron. And the reason I recommend that is, I mean, she talks about how to improve your word count, but it's from the perspective of um, how do you make notes and and essentially plot out what you're about to write so that when you write you you can dive into that and not be hitting a wall and and you know most of the things that slow us down is we're trying to think about whether what we're writing next is the right thing or not so um so it's interesting you get her perspectives on how outlining has sped up her process and she's i think uh, a core outliner and 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 gives a lot of different easy to do um instructions for writers uh that's not too heavy on you know the big formal outline so excellent well that's uh that's two wonderful recommendations for those of you listeners who want to check out outlining um 2k to 10k uh one of the things i think that's really great about it is that um it uses outlining as a method not uh for not for like taking the pizzazz out of your writing, but actually as a form of inspiration for writing more. Because uh, as she states, um, if you know what you're going to write about and you're excited about it, you're going to want to work more. Um, as opposed to that sort of like achy experience of being like, what is it that happens now? Uh, which we're going to talk about next week in Pantsing. So uh, thank you, podcasters, for joining me. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. And we will catch you next time. <laughs>